Hello, welcome back to Two Pals on a Pod, episode 36. This week, we're going to be discussing the Netflix documentary, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Now, this is a mad, mad documentary, this. I mean, this is completely crazy. It's about a polygamous, fundamentalist group. I guess it's men only women is this sort of the essential, like underlying uh, sort of elements of, of the group is men only women deciding who can be married to who and just sort of controlling their lives but under this sort of veil of religion it's bizarre this isn't it yeah it's a weird one isn't it this one and for some reason this shit always seems to happen in uh, america doesn't it i don't mm-hmm. i can't imagine many other places on earth where where the, this sort of shit would go down and yet we're, we're meant to think that they're the front of civilization this is uh, it's very backwards this very backwards yeah it's one of those things that can only it only seems to happen in america like this is only possible that i can't imagine this happening in like shropshire can you, you know what i mean this wouldn't happen <laughs> it won't be allowed but out in the sticks somewhere in america in the desert anything's allowed to happen it's so big, isn't it? It's almost lawless, isn't it, I guess? As we'll find out in this, during this um, sort of documentary as we go through it, I mean, they even controlled the police, they controlled the fire departments. It was all ridiculous stuff, this. It's ominous from the start, but as the documentary gets old, it gets it gets further in, it gets darker and darker. Basically, this is like a fundamentalist group. It's an offshoot of like the Mormon church, isn't it, pretty much? Yep. And, you know, the Mormons, I don't really know a lot about the Mormons. To be honest. Do you know much about them? Yeah, I did. We did about them in, in year 11 history, GCSE. So I know a bit about them. This is a group of fundamentalist Mormons, but Mormons, mainstream Mormons themselves, are quite fundamental in their readings of the Bible themselves. You know, they're quite strict. No caffeine, no sex before marriage. These are mainstream Mormons. So to be a fundamentalist Mormon, you've kind of got to take it to the next level. Mm. And nobody can argue with the with the fact that this lot of fundamentalist Mormons don't take it to the next level. So they they were an offshoot of mainstream Mormons because these fundamentalist Mormons wanted to retain the right to polygamy, whereas mainstream Mormons didn't believe in polygamy, basically. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, like you say, this is definitely out there. They're all in for sure because their beliefs are basically that the more wives and children you have, the higher in heaven you'll be, which is an interesting one. That sounds like a concept come up that a bloke's come up with. If you have loads of wives, loads of children, you'll be high up in heaven and that. I mean, just so women, just crowd around me, please. Okay, it's sort of like a guy who's just trying around loads of women, isn't it? It sounds to me like somebody smoked a spliff at an after party or something, mm. you know, being on a night out. And then suddenly they say, you know, if you want to go to heaven, you should have three wives, they say, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a number pulled out of somebody's ass. Three sounds about and right. They're like, and they're like, not only heaven, this is celestial heaven. You can create worlds, galaxies, universes. Sort of vague, isn't it? Spiritual children. Spiritual children. Even, How do you do what that? What does this even mean? What does this stuff even mean? Like, there are people out there that genuinely believe this stuff and that subscribe to this stuff. But what does it actually mean? And one thing they said is, um, so what happens to women then? And they were like, well, it's a grey area, is that? Oh, is it? That's convenient. <laughs> so the whole, so just women, just a grey area in general. We can't think of anything for that. So for this lot, the whole idea of women are a bit of a grey area, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they really don't. They just don't care, do they, really? I think women for them, they're a bit of a currency, aren't they? I think mm. that's the best way I could put it. Commonplace, wasn't it, for them to exchange daughters with the family and then you get a wife out of that because you want your three wives and things like that. that it's is, all just... That's weird, right? You've got, a daughter, you've got multiple daughters and you start sort of shipping them off to older men in order to get a wife yourself. How like weird a, is that? Let's try a child out for another wife. The guy at the at the beginning, who, who the guy, he has two wives and he wants a third wife and he has a daughter and he trades off a daughter and he gets a wife in return for that. He's sat next to his wife and they ask him, oh, so were they good years then? And he sits and ponders for about five seconds and he goes, yeah, for me. 
And then the camera pans to the wife and she was like, they were quite fractious. Those years were quite fractious. Of course, they he's were good still, for you, mate. Yeah, he's just still in a bubble about it. All these yeah. years, he's like, well, I mean, they're good for me. Yeah. He's reminiscing. Oh, the good old days, <laughs> eh? When I had three wives, I'm left for this one. Ugh. Three was the magic number for him, I think. I think now he's got one. It doesn't really compare now, does it? Really? He's this, never going to be over it. Yeah, but this is the thing, though. Plural wives was apparently, um, seems like the whole picture of Christ, what Christ envisaged the world to be, having plural wives. And so they did come up with this concept of having three wives. But, I mean, at what point did Christ, the carpenter, at what point did he start going, oh, you should all have multiple wives? Multiple, everyone's got to have... At what point was that dreamt up, and how has that got so far away from everyone else's beliefs in what Christ was all about? Yeah. Like, did they read a different translation? Did they Google Translate it wrong? I don't know. Like, <laughs> how did that happen? Well, I, I think from my rough kind of uh, reading of, of Mormon history that I've mm. done in year 11, so it's quite a long time ago now, so it's a very rudimentary understanding. This guy founded Mormonism in called Joseph Smith in the 18th century, and he said, oh, I found these golden plates on the side of a hill in New York, right? No word of a lie. He uncovered them on a hill. But I'm the only one that can see them because it's what God would have wanted. <laughs> and he's like, oh, these are these teachings that I've discovered from God, right, on this hillside. And one of them allowed polygamy. One of these teachings allowed polygamy. And then as time, as time went on, and he's a, he a man that wanted a few wives. And as time, really? time went on, they got persecuted in every kind of state. And that's how they ended up over in Utah, quite remote kind of area, the other side of America. This guy dies, Joseph Smith, and he's replaced by Brigham Young, who then goes, actually, that polygamy stuff is a bit, you know, not a fan of it. And that's why these fundamentalist Mormons had to offshoot from the, the mainstream Mormon church, basically. I've so read the gold is... plaques again. I've read them yeah. again. Actually, he's got it wrong, actually. <laughs> he's, he's, he's read them wrong. Sorry. Soz. It's, it's like he's got a direct line from God, but that's basically what this is, even up to the present day, and these fundamentalist Mormons. You know, they're saying, that, that I just had, a, just, just had a word through from God. He said that, that this is allowed now. You Breaking know. news. We've got it in for him. We've got it, in. We've got it through. The man upstairs has spoken. And yeah, yeah no, it's, but that's but it's basically just people justifying their way of life by saying, oh, God, God said, God said, I can do this. God said, I can do that. God said, you shouldn't do this or whatever. Because we see that the, even though they're fundamentalists, the nature of their church changes when they get a new leader in and he starts banning things, as we'll talk about. Mm. And it's basically just them adding validity to what they want to do by saying god said you can't wear red anymore that's basically what this 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 is you know it's good if you just stand up to them for this podcast though isn't it you've you've you know completely completely accidental but i used to you know i I don't like wearing red myself it's man united color isn't it as a leeds fan i was all aboard for it to be honest i'm all for it (laughs) it's how i grew it's the only thing i've got in common with these fundamental smalls is that i couldn't wear red when i was younger why red as well why red for uh for the Mormon lot, I don't know why they, didn't, yeah. why they didn't like it, did they? Maybe they hate Man United as well, so I'm all for that. <laughs> Up the but, fundamentalists. But it's interesting to know that about the Mormons, because I didn't know where it originated from, so uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting. I didn't realise it was from some um, magical gold plaques on the side of a mountain. I mean, if it's that easy to start a religion, I'm tempted. I really am. <laughs> I'm te- I've seen something in the sky. I've seen a cloud. God's come to me in, in the sky. I might do it. There's a video in that. But basically... There's a prophet, isn't there? There's a prophet who determines who you can uh, marry and who you can't marry. He decides, doesn't he? And this prophet was called Rulon, Rulon Jeffs. And uh, this basically, he's a guy who decides who everyone can marry. He decides who he can marry, which is nice, isn't it? It's nice he can take his pick. And he decides to have. Doesn't need to pick. He'll have them all. He'll have them all. This guy. Basically, he told everyone you've got to have three wives in order to make it out into heaven. And he this this prophet guy he's like 85 and he's marrying like 18 year olds 19 year olds like 85 86 years old god god say so yeah i mean 
just, he's getting it in from God. I've got oh, 19 year old. Yeah, 19 year old. That's who God wants me to marry. That's what goes on. And he's there with the oxygen mask on as well, struggling to breathe. Yeah. Like, what is all that about? Going at it, like with an oxygen mask on. Take that. He wouldn't out. last long. He would not last long at all. But it's honestly, like, it's, it is ridic- as ridiculous as that, though. It is. I'm getting a message. Oh, are you going against God's will by not wanting to do that? You know, you're not going to make it to the to heaven, are you? Just when you think it can't get any more ridiculous, you realise that they believe that this guy, this Rulon, the prophet, is regenerated like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So when he dies, he comes back as a younger version of himself. I've still got PTSD from those scenes when the, the, the Doctor regenerates, especially when it was Eccleston into Tennant. You know, I was very young. I didn't mm. like that. So this did give me some flashbacks to those days uh, of Doctor Who. And then I realised that Doctor Who was fictional and that this Rulon guy is full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> full of shit and not, not much oxygen. Well, you were well as, they, as they found out, because like you say, he, he was supposed to not die. Or if he did die, he was supposed to regenerate as a younger version. And that's what they all vehemently believed. And obviously they all believe this because they get taught it from a young age. Mm. And I guess that's understandable. Like if that's all you know, if you're kept away from the outside world in these sort of fenced off compounds Mm. with only a certain selection of books to be able to read and that kind of thing, then I guess you are going to have your beliefs. You're not going to know anything other than that, are you? Yeah, it goes to the point, isn't it, where they had these books in their libraries and they were like science textbooks that people would go through and they'd like use a razor to cut out certain paragraphs from these science books that alluded to like the solar system or the reproductive kind of system. Facts, yeah. And evolution and things Let's like take that. take the facts out. It's interesting when you have to exercise that amount of control over your gated community. But, you know, he, he knows everybody's desires as well. There's another thing. So he's, he's omnipresent himself. He's got kind of the skills of God invested in him, which is quite funny when you look at him. He didn't look like a picture of health at all, did he really? No, he didn't. He didn't seem to have much charisma about him, but you don't need charisma when you've got 23 wives. Mm. He did have a lot of wives. Yeah, he had a lot. He just kept, kept on marrying them though, didn't he? Like, it was non-stop. Like, they were just constantly marrying 19, 20-year-olds. He'd take his pick out of the ones. I mean, it was really like, if you think about it, it is awful like, what those young girls had to go through, but they weren't aware that that's what they were sort of going through. Like they thought it was normal. They thought they were sort of the chosen ones, basically. I dare say they felt they felt like they were lucky ones because he was the prophet, yeah. you know, the president, the, the, the head honcho at the end of the day. And they'd all, every night, they'd queue outside his bedroom, all 23 of them, and wait for their turn to go in and wish him a good night. Do you think he ever forgot their names? Yeah, Confused, definitely. Especially at his big age as well. After the stroke, age. for sure. <laughs> no, there's no doubt about that. I think they even said after the stroke, he was just pointing at us after the stroke. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> he's collecting wives like they're Pokemon or something. And he's yeah, got like, just... he's, got, he's got a portrait, a picture portrait of each one of his wives in the order that he's married them on his wall. They're going to need a bigger wall. wall. Yeah, how big is constant. It's also going to look a bit stupid as well. Like, if you put photos up on a wall, you might put two or three. Do you know what I mean, it's got to, got to have the right balance. Yeah. When it gets to 23, that's going to look ridiculous <laughs> from a design perspective. It reminded me of the portraits they have of every every single prime minister by the stairs in Downing yeah. Street. I don't know if you've ever seen that or you've seen it in a movie. Like it's in Love Actually, isn't it? And then you've got like Major and Thatcher and Blair going up the staircase. It reminded me of that because they showed you the pictures, didn't they? And it looked exactly like that. He's just, you know, do you, do you ever think he just sits down at the end of the long day, looks at the wall and goes, God, I've done well. Yeah, I've done well I've done for well. me. Yep. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got a type as well. They had, they had a similar look, didn't they? And some nights he would ask them to stay and have sex yep. with them. Now, obviously, these are like women in there, sort of, they're like 19, 20, that kind of thing. They didn't know what sex was. Like, they didn't understand it or anything like that. And so this guy's getting him to do things that they're not aware 
of exactly what they're doing. I mean, the whole thing's horrific, isn't it? To think of a guy that's 85, 86, yeah. telling like a 19 year old to, I think it was quoted as spread your legs, I think was what the guy said with an oxygen mask on. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even bear thinking about it. the vivid kind of descriptions of their sexual encounters were quite, quite distressing. And one, one girl, they, they, had, they did the dirty. I do. They disgust me even saying it about him. And then he has to get up to go to the toilet to clean himself of, of whatever substances have been mm. released. I just can't stop thinking of his face. It's just disgusting. And then she goes to help him and like rips his oxygen mask off by accident. It's kind of a logistical a- nightmare. Accident, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yank it out. Where's it gone? Where's it gone? Can't oh, find it. Sorry. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> What's head. that? What's that? Sorry, you need to plug it back in. What? I can't hear you. Just focus on cleaning, cleaning yourself, please. Man. Oh, that's it. Yeah, because he wet himself, wouldn't he? He would make it to the yeah. toilet, so she'd be having it's a hair dryer like the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? It's shocking, but they they would just think it was normal in this kind of. That's the way they've been brought up, isn't it? 18, 19, they wouldn't think there's anything wrong with it. That's all they knew, isn't it? Like, if you just get taught a certain set of things in life, then that's all you're going to know, like, from birth, that kind of thing. Because they're not given access to the outside world at all. It's indoctrination, isn't it? Isn't it plain and simple? And that's how these people at the top of this kind of food chain kept their control over the people that were subservient to them. Even in the... So obviously the, the, the documentary title is Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. And Keep Sweet was the big mantra, the big motto of this community of people. Wasn't it? it was in songs on the side of buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it Rulon, the, the, the prophet even had, had it on the soles of his shoes. Like yeah. on his left foot, they would say like keep and on his right foot, it would say sweet. This kind of mantra was bred into people because it was everywhere. It was ubiquitous. So it, it had like this kind of taken for granted nature. And within it it, 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 it did really serve to control kind of any potential displays of anger or resentment that, that these women would have, because if they were angry at the situation they found themselves in, as you would be as a woman in this kind of community, you wouldn't be able to express that because that wouldn't be keeping in line with the keep sweet kind of mantra that was bred into you everywhere. Yeah, you've got to obey your husbands, haven't you? I mean, and these, by the way, these were seen as the good years. Like, these were seen as the, the ones that they were sort of a little bit, at times, reminiscing about when they got people on, like, to talk about them. They were sort of saying, oh, these were the good times. And then we're introduced to the prophet's son, Warren. Now, he's got lots of different sons. I can't remember how many, to be honest. I think Warren had 30 sisters, 32 brothers. So he's got, you know, like 60 plus children. It's an expensive prophet. wedding to cater for. I know. How many birthday cards are you buying there? Like, just you're having a birthday every week. How much cake are they having? How much cake? It doesn't become a special event, does it? It's no. Like, it's Sister Helen's birthday this year. Oh, brilliant. I mean, how do you remember to buy presents for them and all sorts? Although I think Mormons don't celebrate birthdays, do they? I know Mormons that do. Oh, right. maybe, oh, maybe these fundamentalists don't maybe uh, not but i'm, I'm sure yeah. i heard somewhere they don't they don't sell it. i don't know we'll get the fact checkers on yeah i'm not an expert on the, on the mormon ways I'm not an expert on that um but i'm sure yeah oh, because i mean it, logistically that would be a nightmare wouldn't it i mean just having all those weddings all those like people don't even turn up to the weddings i bet because they're just like oh Gary's got another wedding. I mean, it's his fifth one this week. If you can't make one, there's another next week, isn't there? It's love to be a, a fundamentalist Mormon kind of catering company. I know. Maybe just, just, just you would you would make a mint. You wouldn't get to keep it, would you? That would that would go back to the profit. I mean, it would it would end up the profit has to Literally. make his profit as he as he does. Yeah, that's what the profit does on yeah. on a big kind of scale towards the end of it, doesn't he? But yeah, it's 
He's an interesting one, is Warren, Warren Jeffs, so son of Rulon, who's obviously kind of being groomed into being the next prophet because something to do with the fact that he was born prematurely and his mum had a vision that he would become the prophet one day and he'd survive and whatever. To me, he just gives the class. I've seen many a movie kind of villain like this guy. You know, like he's like the chosen one, son of the big bad guy, but a bit socially awkward, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Not really blessed with the gift of the gab, but you're stuck with a bit of a Prince Charles, a bit of a Prince yeah. Charles, yeah. if you will. Next in line. I can see the parallels there. With it's him. a tough one to follow up, isn't it? It's a tough one to follow up for, for both Definite. of them. Yeah, well, a bit like, you know, when, when Moyes took over from Ferguson at Man United. Moyes exactly like was that. meant to be the chosen one, taking over from the guy that had been in post for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's never going to work out the way you want it to. But, you know, Warren does give it a good a good kind of, a good go. Well, he, he definitely does. I mean, Warren was getting cosy with the sisters of the family, um, which, you know, <laughs> Interesting one, interesting one that trying to get with your your sisters. Some of them were stepsisters, to be fair to him. He was spoiled for choice as well, wasn't he? Like, I know. If they had clubs in this in this kind of community, you'd have to check the family tree before getting with anybody because chances are you're probably related. Yeah, like, you know, second cousin is okay, I think, with this lot because everybody's going to be your second cousin. I know. I'm surprised people it. weren't popping out with like three arms and stuff, like one eye. And you know what I mean, I'm surprised they weren't popping out with all sorts of different stuff going on there because they're all just inbreeding each other, weren't they? Just constantly. <laughs> Just, it was like Russian dolls, like just popping out of everywhere, just like <laughs> ridiculous. When they'd have the when when uh, Rulon, the initial prophet, died, and they lined up all his wives by the open casket, and it was like a squad football photo or something, yeah. with them all lined up row by row, and then you just have his his corpse, his like Dead rotting body. like yellow corpse in the, yeah. in the middle, was uh, was quite something, wasn't it? I don't want to jump too far ahead. I mean, you have just teased what's to come there, but he, he does oh, yeah, die. He doesn't, Spoiler he doesn't die. Well, he dies and then he walks through the door at his own funeral as a younger version of himself. Yeah, definitely. Cool. David definitely. Tennant walks in regenerated. He definitely well. goes on to regenerate, as we'll find out. But yeah, as we say, Warren was getting cosy with the sisters of the family, and he was made principal of their like academy wasn't it he was put in charge of that and began to sort of take control a little bit and, and sort of move up the ranks slightly he was almost seen as like a beginning to be sort of number two kind of thing he was in charge of bringing the kids through the academy making sure that they were under the, the mindset that he wanted to sort of the agenda he wanted to push onto them taking all the, the sort of facts out of the, the science textbooks and all that kind of stuff and it sounded like things got a lot more sort of boring when when he got put into that position and began to be sort of moved further up the food chain yeah a bit of a weird one this guy to some the best by his life mantra isn't he perfect obedience is led by a hair in the sense that if you're leading somebody and you imagine yourself pulling them by a single strand of hair, then if they're obeying you, that strand of hair shouldn't be yanked out of their head because they mm. should be following you kind of cap in hand right behind you type thing. That if that, that's the mantra out of all those mantras out there, that's the mantra he chooses to live his life by. I wouldn't want to be, you know, in the corner with him at a party. I think he'd chew my ear off, be a bit boring, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's a bit of an odd Robin bloke. A bit of an odd bloke, really. He's a very, ball. very strange guy. Uh, I mean, he taught, basically taught everyone that the world is going to burn. Like That was his sort of theory that he yeah, was... A bit of a killjoy. A yeah, a kill exactly, exactly. I mean, it's not not great conversationalist, really. He taught everyone that the world was going to burn, and so you've got to be faithful in order to survive. And he centred this all around the Olympics is happening. It's like the Olympics is coming to Salt Lake City. It's going to burn and we're going to be lifted up into the sky. Just us. Just us. Don't ask how. Don't, don't bother asking how. Not okay. even not even the proper Olympics, the winter. The was it Olympics. the winter? Was it the winter? Winter Olympics, yeah, in 2002. Uh, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney was uh, the head of the, uh, 
the bid for Salt Lake City. He? He's a Mormon, famous Mormon, actually. Is he? Mitt Romney. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting one. But he said if the Winter Olympics comes to Salt Lake City, we're all going to go up in a rapture. So he he upsticked, didn't they? They were living in, was it Utah they were living in? And he moved them to like some kind of commune called Short Creek, mm-hmm. which was just across the other, uh, just across the border in Arizona, but it was remote and in the middle of nowhere. Almost as if if you wanted to control a group of people, you would isolate them in a remote community, come up with some kind of bombastic excuse and get them all to upstick, sell their houses, sell their businesses and move to this community where you can just control them. It's it's almost like he's doing it on purpose. It is. It's, yeah, because I think it was two different communities, wasn't there? I think there was one in Salt Lake City and one at, uh, was it Short Creek or something? It was Short called. Creek, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he conveniently came up with a story to get them to move into one location. And that story was the Olympics was going to destroy the world, which I think if you are going to come up with a story, don't come up with a story where it's sort of like, you know, if that doesn't happen, that's gonna, you're going to look pretty stupid, aren't you? Do you know what I mean, don't come up with a story where you are going to look like a plonker when it are you saying, doesn't happen. Are you saying the Winter Olympics being held in Salt Lake City didn't didn't lead to the end of the universe? Is that what I it? am suggesting that, yeah. I am. I'm suggesting that, yeah. It's almost as if they're not the centre of the universe, isn't it? It's weird that. Well, you're saying that they've got an attitude problem, the fundamentalist Mormons. Mm, I think it's They ego. think everything's about... They've got main character syndrome. I think, I think. that's that's the issue with those lives. We, we joke about him saying this, and, you know, oh, how can you believe it? 8,000 of them moved, yeah. sold their houses in Salt Lake City, sold their businesses and up sticks because Warren Jeffs said that, that, that the world was going to end. So he does, he, he's a man of influence. And I know that with the 8,000 people that moved, they've been brought up, indoctrinated and raised in this way and being told not to question it. That's a lot of people though. That's a proper influencer, is that if you're going to give a brand deal out, give one to Warren Jeffs because he has got them round his finger, hasn't he? If, you're, if you are Surfshark... <laughs> Give a deal to Warren Jeffs. He would have him on it straight away. They'd be Maybe loving it. The, should be the new face of Durex, I think. Right, yeah. Churning <laughs> out kids at a rate. I think Durex need to uh, <laughs> need to stage an intervention. But obviously, the end of the world doesn't happen after the Olympics. The Olympics happens. The end of the world Isn't doesn't. It? And it he happens. turns around, <laughs> turns Does around, and goes. I thought that was the end of the documentary. I thought they went lifted to the sky <laughs> at the end. And heads why we're burning in hell right now because yeah. the, the, the world ended. He turns around to these 8,000 people that have majorly inconvenienced their lives to move a considerable distance away. That, just a test. Just yeah. a test. I was only joking. <laughs> yeah. You believe God's, me? God's given you more time. That's a good excuse, isn't it? He's given you more time. Yeah, time. We'll go with time. that. We'll go with time. I just had it through from him. He was in a bad mood the other day when he yeah. said all that. He takes it back. Takes it back. But he had you on. He was just joking. (laughs) You believed him. Oh, God. You thought it would be serious. God likes a laugh as well, you know. (laughs) Come on. Where's your sense of humour, guys? Jesus. (laughs) But it is actually a good excuse when you think about it, because with this, you know, he was just testing us. He also frames it as a, so now you have to be even more obedient because now he's really watching. You're on your last chance now. Yeah. So it actually work, works a treat and people obviously lap it up. I think this guy knows that he's got these people in the palms of his hand because obviously we know that they believe it. But he, as the ringleader of this, knows that it's a load of steaming shit, basically. But he must do, yeah, he must do. I wonder what so the point he figures that out, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But he, he obviously doesn't have this direct line with, with God because even if God exists, he? he's not coming to us through a nonce who lives in Utah. Oh, allegedly. We don't allegedly, know yet. 
We don't know. Yeah, sorry, alleged, alleged, alleged nonsense. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so he obviously knows it's not true, but he gets so caught up in himself. It's 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 admirable in a way that he believes the, the shit that's coming out of his own mouth so much so that he can put on a front. Well, I think this is the moment where he's like, yeah, I've got him here. I can make him do whatever they want. When they gobble yeah. that up, he's like, right, here we go, ding dong. And conveniently then, Rulon, the, the prophet, has a stroke. Now, I want to know exactly, you know, what made, what, what was his food laced with that morning? That's what I want to know. <laughs> because I think it seems convenient. I mean, he was old. He was, you know, wasn't in great health, was he? But he no. had a stroke. And he was just sat there, I think, one day, wasn't he? They were all singing to him or something. They are having a sing song. Probably. And then we just slumps, slumps down one day. A bit dramatic in front of everyone. You know, if you have a stroke, <laughs> have a stroke quietly. Do you know what I mean? And I, th- I think he was sleeping as well. Yeah, yeah. Dozed off. Oh, you're boring him. Like? <laughs> you're boring. He's seen it all. You're it's boring him. Asleep with us, but yeah, he has a stroke, and this is the moment where Warren's like, "Right, here we go. The stars have aligned. God's with me. Here we go. I'm gonna now try and take over a little bit." And so, because after the stroke, he doesn't die, does this rule, and he's still alive at this point. He has a little stroke, but he's a little bit confused. He's not in a he's not in a great way. He can't remember all his wives' names. Probably couldn't beforehand, but he definitely can't now. I don't think I'd be able to. I'm 23. I don't think yeah. I'd be able to keep up with that many names. I struggle. I just give all the people that I'm talking to a number. In mm. my mind, it's much easier for me to remember numbers. Give them name badges. Name. <laughs> give them little name badges or something. Do you know what I mean? I'd, Hello, I'd I'm... That. And then with the thing yeah. underneath, I like that. Little Happy name. to help. Like I say, he has a stroke in 1998. So we're not even going that far back here. This isn't the 40s. This isn't the 20s. This is 1998 when this is all happening. Yeah, not long ago at all. And he, he has a has a stroke, but he survives the stroke. But he's just he gets sidelined by Warren, and Warren now basically, essentially takes charge by saying, "This is look. This is what my dad's telling me. Okay, this is what he's telling me that he's been told by God, and he begins to gra- uh, grasp more and more onto power before." Mm. Basically, in 2002, Warren Jeffs essentially takes over completely when Rulon dies. So Rulon now dies four years later, this is, after the stroke. He eventually dies from old age or whatever. And this is Warren's moment, isn't it? This is where he really seizes the moment to take control. He's, he's the, the, the son that controls all aspects of the funeral. So nobody else but him. Not, none of his brothers are allowed a picture by the open casket. It was just Warren for those kind of optics of he was the chosen one. He was the favoured son. The thing is, at this point, the wives still think that Rulon's going to come back to life. Even though he's dead, they're all still yeah. like around the casket. They're like, oh, any minute now, he'll wake up and he'll be, oh, his they eyes will open up. Any minute now, he looks said, dead. But, you know. The overriding emotion of the funeral wasn't necessarily mourning. It was confusion. Confusion as to why <laughs> Rulon had died and not walked through the door as a younger version of himself. I just imagine everybody attending this funeral just looking around around at the door going I'm sure he's going to walk in any minute any now, minute now tap in the watch any minute burst now. in come on he'll be 19 like Vince McMahon on the WWE big, yeah. big strides down the uh, down, down the aisle <laughs> but it didn't happen obviously because this yeah. is in the real world and it's not it's not WWE so. yeah it's a shame really it's a shame. I'd love to have seen that that'd be a nice little story I can just come back to life again but I interestingly kind of, I kind of miss him by episode three <laughs> of the four of these documentaries Warren I think is it be transpires a bit of an arsehole I kind of mm. miss Rulon at that yeah. point. I miss the os- oxygen mask. I miss that. It's a nice touch. <laughs> Everything just gets a bit dark. It's like with the Harry Potter. Movie. It's exactly like they Harry start Potter. off very, very happy and jovial, and you know, the the three, the trio, they're becoming friends, and then suddenly you get, Vold- you get Voldemort involved in it, and from uh, from Goblet of Fire onwards, it gets a, it gets a lot darker. Even the motifs get a lot darker. Mm. 
bit like this. Bit like, bit this. like this. Very much like this. Interesting, the funeral it. takes place two days after he died. A bit quick. Isn't it? Quick turnaround. They're all going, right, quick, make the dresses. They're getting, like, white dresses made. Bit inappropriate for a funeral, but anyway. They went with the colour white, didn't they? And everyone had the dresses made. Two days later, they were lowering him into the ground. And the wives were like, well, why, why are we lowering him into the ground? He won't be able to get out. <laughs> When he comes back alive, he won't be able to get out. But it's like, well, if he won't be able to get out, he's not going to die again, is he? Because he can't die. He can't die, can he? This is the prophet. So he'll just keep coming back to life again. <laughs> just dig him up. In the coffin and then dying again. Yeah. <laughs> and coming back to let him die, like dehydration. And no, it's fine. Again. He's got his oxygen mask. He'll, <laughs> he'll survive. He's got it to the, <laughs> to the, to the sky. He's giving Bane from Batman, isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. The, the heavy breathing and everything. But yeah, yeah, he gets loaded into the ground, doesn't he? And they're all like, oh, God, what's, what's going to happen? There's lots of confusion. And Warren starts to basically to fade into this idea that my father's communicating through me mm. yeah yeah i'm I now mean, the prophet what do you do when your dad dies you marry your mums you marry your mums because mm. he's got plenty to choose from i think was it the night after they buried rulon warren marries seven of his mums that's got to be a world record sure it has to be Surely. it has to be. let's get guinness to. over there let's not let's legal see. not legal either uh, I don't think. I don't know. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. But he doesn't stop at marrying his mums because then he's kind of got this autocratic power and we don't get any justification as to why he starts banning pretty random things. But he does kind of go on this tirade of banning things that he just doesn't seem to, to like, basically. Yeah, because he's now convinced them that he is the new prophet, basically. He almost sort of puts words in their mouth, being like, if you had, yeah. to, pick, if you had to pick someone, who would you pick as the prophet? <laughs> who would, you know, I've been doing a lot Somebody. of speeches lately. <laughs> if you had to pick a name, no, not Sharon, not Sharon. If you had to pick a name, male, male. Person he sat authority. in this room. Somebody yeah. sat in this room. No, Glasses. Yeah. Glasses. First name, Wah. 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 Spell it out. <laughs> okay, I'm getting Wah. Wah. like that. Yeah. He basically puts words in their mouth to, to pick him, doesn't yeah. he? Puts words in the in the mouths of uh, Rulon's wives, his mums, basically saying, you know, if you think, you know, who who should be the next prophet when everybody knows that he's been buttered up and lined up for yeah. him himself, and then suddenly him. he's got the the legitimation from from Rulon's ex wives, and then we begin this seamless transition into the rule of Warren, which is uh, when this really does start getting. Quite interesting, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, he starts channeling his dad, doesn't he? He's almost like a Derek Akora type situation. I imagine that, like, oh, I'm getting, yeah, my dad's telling me this, and it sort of it goes from being like, I think my it's dad's... closer to the closer to the psychic and Phoenix Knights than anything. Else. <laughs> I'm, getting I'm getting the, the word, word. <laughs> nonce. <laughs> because it's, it's exactly true. like that. That is a rare case of a psychic being accurate in this yeah. case. Because I'm getting that word as well. I am. As we all begin to see, it all it all gets very, uh, very interesting, doesn't it? It all sort of unravels. But yeah, he goes, eventually fades from him being my father's telling me this and, and to eventually sort of, no, I am the new prophet now kind of thing. He yeah, sort of yeah. gradually transitions to that. It's kind of a bit, a bit like, you know, my father's telling me that I should be the next prophet. You know, you're getting your wives to, to kind of endorse that. And then you get to the point where he's just saying, can't wear denim anymore. Mm. No red, long underwear, you know, oversized underwear. 
And by the way, you have to have your hair in this style because that's how I like it. He's really settling into to power. Yeah, and it wasn't even like he picked a good hairstyle. I mean, if you are going to be oppressive of women and what they can and can't do, don't pick that hairstyle, Warren. Yeah, it, was a bit, it was a bit like a quiff style thing, wasn't yeah, it? Lots taste. Of, lots of hairspray involved in it, I'd imagine. They all looked a bit silly. It did. I'm not sure Warren... I'm not sure he reminded me. It must have been... It's like something like out of the Grinch. You know, and all, all those have weird <laughs> hairstyles, isn't it? It's all like that kind of stuff. It did look like that, yeah. Uh, like and guns as well it's an interesting one because you usually think of that lot loving guns in america don't you but he didn't wasn't a fan of the guns yeah he took them all away and that's where he lost a few people on that you <laughs> lost me i'm all right on everything else you've lost he me at did. the guns though you've lost i made me a there. note of that i made a note of that as well it's like underage marriage statutory statutory rape is okay but i draw the line on when he takes my shotgun away mm. but obviously at this point warren's trying to basically assert his dominance prevent anyone from uh, attacking him not necessarily literally but sort of uh, i guess uh, ruining him being the prophet he's trying to undermine everyone else and and assert his dominance as the, the sort of prophet and so he takes away everyone's weapons at this point as well yeah it's a logical step to take and he starts they've got the issue is when you're marrying off loads of young women to old men it does leave you with a surplus of young boys that don't have anybody to marry because essentially this community is set up to use women as a commodity to sell off for the sexual gratification of old men nobody really thinks about the young boys in this scenario because when these women are churning out kids they're also churning out men as well so these young boys are quite an, an afterthought and that's where we see warren kind of flexing his muscle again isn't it and he starts basically just expelling young boys from this group because there's too many of them. Yeah, and that's when it first, I think, begins to get some sort of media attention at this point. It's sort of like all these boys have now been kicked out of of this um, fundamentalist group and they've just essentially been left on the streets. I mean, yeah. not, you know, you think about religion being sort of uh, love thy neighbour and all that, and this, this lot of just kicking out young boys because Warren's told them to. Yeah, I think at, at this point, I start seeing it for what it really is. Initially, I was seeing it as, you know, these are some kind of, fundamentalist crack jobs that genuinely probably do believe in the religious aspects of what they're saying and then by this point it looks more like some kind of backwards kind of business model mm. because they start then using these young boys for free labor god wants you to do this to you know to farm this land this is your calling so farm this land and yet they use this free labor for some massive multinational corporations and then suddenly warren and the church this fundamentalist church are making money out of this and then it becomes an exercise where these young men are being transported across the whole of america to well, work like, on this building project or that farming project yeah and the building, church are making money out of that where they're building warehouses like amazon like some yeah. well-known companies are having their warehouses and like buildings built by these mormon groups because they're so low cost because they're not being paid anything presumably yeah exactly amazon and walmart are, uh, are kind of in on this and they're transported all across the states and then suddenly i'm saying i'm like i oh, so the church themselves not the church in general it was it the fundamentalist church of the latter day saints mm -hmm. are making a, a fat wad out of selling off this this hard labor that's coming from people willing to work because they're being told that it's what god wants them to do yeah by some people that are, that are using the bible for their own gain and this whole thing becomes like very controlling at this point warren has complete control over the fire departments and the police are all picked by warren i don't know how these things happen again i can't um, imagine that being a thing in the uk maybe this all happens differently in america i'm not quite sure but at what point does a guy go i'm in charge of this place self-elected i'm in charge of this place i'm a prophet and I'm going to pick who the firefighters and police officers are. So they're all in my pocket and they all work for me. 
But yeah, what sort of, of authority is that? I don't get how you can take control of a territory within a country and then command jurisdi jurisdiction over that territory because then that becomes a matter for the federal government surely yeah. because of even the, maybe even the, the state government at this point because the state government would fund the police so well, how is he installing his own men as police officers and getting how's he gain control of the police i don't understand how yeah, that would work that wasn't really explained was it but i don't know if it's just because it's a religion and they're a bit obviously they're more religious in america and so maybe they're sort of like, well, religions are sort of protected and maybe we'll just sort of leave them to it kind of thing. I don't really know, but no, it wasn't explained. It's so weird. I think obviously the, 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 if you're talking on a practical level about the fire service, the search and rescue teams and police, it, everything is a lot more decentralised in America because of the size of it. Mm. The federal government don't, don't really have jurisdiction over that. It's state by state government. And maybe in some of these states that are more rural, it's easier to kind of get your foot in the door and then maybe if you know the right people take control of a of a of a certain kind of sheriff's department or something and that's what happened here because i mean he's he's in control of it yeah but it, it's a town of a few thousand people still mm. so it's quite small in, by american standards but i did find that very weird and, I and all, the, all the houses all the houses in this area are owned by him all the houses all the businesses all the money goes gets funneled to him yeah it's, it's pretty crazy yeah but they, they, i think that's that aspect of it makes sense to me because this is a, a by this point probably a self-sufficient kind of community where he's got the labor force to build these houses so he can send people out there these young boys that they got a surplus of build a house here, here you know and suddenly you've got a little, a little town when all these houses have been built by his disciples or whatever then he would own those houses and I, I can see that i don't know how he got control of the police yeah i don't know if the mate i don't know if the police and the fire departments and like search and rescue and these sorts of things i don't know if they were all part of the fundamentalist group themselves like actually in the group or whether they were outside of it because i mean one of the police officers <clears> was interviewed and he said yeah we believe in in polygamous relationships in this community yeah I don't know if he was speaking about his own beliefs or whether he was sort of talking about the beliefs of the community that he's representing. I couldn't really work it out. This is a, a, a community that's been set up by these people that have moved for this specific purpose. So it makes sense that the people moving up also happen to be police officers would subscribe to that religion, I guess. Yeah, so perhaps, yeah, perhaps they would be. And I think that would probably make the most sense because they were sort of invested in it as well, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, interestingly, at this point, Warren begins to sort of, like we say, um, wield more and more of his power at this point. And he starts like stripping families of their like fathers and giving the families to another man. Like how yeah. crazy is that? So if, if someone's like getting out of line or not following the orders or if he's a bit threatened by them and thinks that he might be challenged by them, he starts just ripping that the family from the guy. So he takes the wives, the children and just moves them to another man. And now you're now he's your father, that guy, just like that, without the father knowing about it. Yeah, it was a period of time, wasn't it, where he notices that the the authorities are starting to kind of circle, like they can't get the evidence they need to nail him. But he does kind of notice that, that the temperature started to rise, I think they put it in the documentary. And so he goes into hiding for a bit. And then a couple of months later, turns up at one of their kind of church meetings or whatever and walks in with a list, doesn't he? He's got the list of like 20 men mm. or something. And he said, uh, God has told me that you have been deceiving people. And he proceeds to read out the names of these 20 men who are all at this meeting, obviously, and they stand up one by one when their name is read. I think four of them were his brothers, which you might think is remarkable, but it's not when you've got 30 brothers. Maybe. Yeah. The inflation. Probably barely knew them. But yeah, he said, basically, you guys that have stood up now, you're all sinners. 
and they get kicked out of the church, never to be seen again. Wives and children taken away and kind of reassigned, recoupled, maybe. Yeah. In Watching the island. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yeah. Couple <laughs> them up. Couple up with the new guy. He's uh, it's Tony. Take He's seventy nine. Um, <laughs> take it up a bit. But that's that's the thing. Like, how can that happen? So. Just like a snap of the fingers. Oh yeah, your family now gonna be Tony's. He's now in charge of you, and and they just go along with it because again, that's that's what Warren wants, and he's the prophet. It's, it's God's will, and also yeah. the wives aren't really questioning it. Okay, yeah, there's a little bit of sadness, maybe whatever, but they're going well. That's what God wants, and so all the kids now move their change fathers and everything like that. Yeah. All the upheaval of that and the distress that that must have caused, and these men are now just basically cast aside or on the sidelines a lot of the time trying to claw the way back into the community. Yeah, exactly. And it, 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 it takes a turn even for the, for the more kind of the more darker side when you realise that these 20 men that he's getting rid of are all kind of conscientious objectors to the rule, to the, the, the direction that this kind of community is going into. And, um, you know, they object to the fact that there's more surveillance or something. So they start setting up CCTV across the town and start turning up at people's houses just to check that they're obeying the rules and that they've got a portrait of Warren on the It's pretty mad, isn't it, to just think that he's had all these CCTV cameras everywhere and he's got like a bird's nest type setup somewhere, yeah. just surveilling everybody and watching these cameras, listening into conversations, making sure Definitely. they're not saying bad things. And I think a few people began to disagree as more and more 14-year-olds began to get like married to various different older yeah. men and like i remember there was i think there was some sort of conversation where a guy asked one of the fathers oh if, if he came around uh, you know what sort of age would your daughter what would you allow your daughter to be married and he was like no one's coming around here to marry my daughter until she's 18 or 19 or something and also a lot of them have been married at 16 and 14 and that's determined by the prophet it's not determined by the father so there began to be a little bit of disruption i think warren was trying to stamp out on that wasn't he and ended up taking away their families from them. Yeah, it was definitely heaving tad on them. Because that, that, that case that you talk about where the guy said, oh, you know, he had an 11-year-old daughter and said, oh, so you, when, you, when are you thinking about getting married off or whatever? And he's like, well, not until she's 18. And he's like, well, what if the prophet comes around and, and takes her away? And he's like, I don't care if the prophet comes around, he's not taking her away. And the next, next day or a few days later, the prophet turns up and he goes, it's time for your daughter to get married. This is how closely he was keeping tabs on these people through the cctv through hearsay through his own kind of security detail or whatever and people did uh, did object to to that kind of level of surveillance because you are really straying from the word of god and from the belief in religion at that point it's become what he calls himself he called it a benevolent dictatorship he called it himself he used the word dictatorship himself benevolent is a nice word but you can put many a nice word before dictatorship and it does kind of override the nice words that we proceed it, it with, it? doesn't it? Really, really benevolent, yeah, dictatorship. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But they've modernised it. You know, it's a modern dictatorship, which I'm all in favour of, you know, with That's CCTV. Ahead I of didn't think it's, it's kind of the, the kind of dichotomous kind of relationship between the fact that you've got this kind of high-tech kind of, you know, setup to watch people. And then you realise that people that they're watching have these kind of like 50 style haircuts and they're mm. wearing the baggy kind of prairie kind of dresses. It's uh, it's two kind of different worlds, isn't it? It's it's a, a case of do as I say, not do as I do type thing. Like you're meant to live in subjugation as if this is the 1950s or whatever. And they don't know. But I'm going to have access to all this, all this technology 
and I'm I'm going to be able to do whatever I want basically, but you you can't. And that's and they don't know any they don't know any better, do they? I mean, aside from a few of them which have lived in the real world, and that was I think why he felt threatened by one or two yeah. of them in particular because they'd actually had normal jobs in the normal world, and so they sort of knew how the outside worked a little bit more, and that was yeah. partly why he tried to stamp down on on them basically. Exactly. I think as well, like I think religion in, in, in general maybe uses the kind of carrot and stick of, of, of heaven and hell as a means of, of control. But this group of fundamentalists take it to the next level, because from the way I understand it, we say you've got to have three wives to make it to heaven, but that's the celestial heaven. So that's the highest kind of rank of heaven that you can make it to where you get to create your own galaxies and universes and you're a god and a goddess yourself and it's the same in terms of the levels of hell so basically he branded these 20 men that he had the list of he said they're sons of perdition or something like that it's a term i've never heard of but that's the deepest darkest depths of of, of hell so this kind of carrot and stick of, of, of heaven and hell is a lot more effective when you have levels to it because you've got something to strive towards it's not as black and white as saying oh you do this and you stay pious or whatever and you make it to heaven it's well you can be pious and make it to heaven but if you want to make it to the upper echelons of heaven then you should stay extra kind of cautious and you know you should, you should yeah exactly you yeah, should you should follow my words to to the word to the letter and and things like that and that's what they do they they remain well they don't they go they stray quite far from from the teachings but they this, this thread of religion remains throughout even when they're kind of just using it to their own gain mm. they do remain quite close to that religious aspect i think but they they have their own ideas as well and the documentary then goes on to tell the story of a woman that basically hops over the fence so a woman's basically had enough she's sick of it um she decides one day that she's gonna hop over the fence and leg it basically and i think she was called ruby uh, she was 26 at the time but she was married at 14 and she, i think she was another there was two people that wanted to leave there was one that was 26 that decided to hop the fence and there was another one called ruby who was married at 14 and she also left and uh, her childhood crush ended up trying to have uh, to find her to try and bring her back to this um fundamentalist group because they were worried that she would go to the authorities about the fact she'd been married young and that kind of thing uh, she was promised that she could marry this sort of childhood love uh, that, that she had she was basically tricked and uh, that that never happened but she was then brought back to this sort of cult essentially um but interestingly there was another few other, a few other people that were married young another one called Ruth Stubbs she married at 16 and was given to a 32 year old police officer and reporters got hold of this and this police officer was found guilty um, and that eventually started scaring Warren Jeffs because he was like okay they found someone guilty now someone in our community a police officer as well they're sort of on to us here and so Warren's like I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna move us all to Texas that's what we're <laughs> gonna do we're gonna go to Texas uh, because they're starting to basically realize that there's something going on here it's starting to pick up some media attention they're showing some interest let's move us to the other side of the country if that is the other side of the country i think it is isn't it it's quite far it's it's uh, it's a lot of miles away isn't it yeah it's, it's it's quite an extreme move but once again he, he portrays it as he builds a compound doesn't he in texas mm. uh temples there mansion, big, big mansion style kind of building called zion which is apparently it's meant to be heaven on earth. I mean, people are from, from Texas. I don't know if they can attest, but that's quite a big compliment for it to be heaven on earth. Mm. But, and we, you know, God's own country is Yorkshire. I think everybody knows that. <laughs> but people in this community in Arizona, uh, was it Short Creek? I always forget it. It's such a nondescript yeah. name. Short Creek were disappearing. The people that were light 
were disappearing and they were going to, to Zion. One of the wives of, of, of a man that was quite high up, but she was actually quite clever, wasn't she? Did you pick up mm. on that? When she um, wrote down the mileage of, of, in his truck and then noted it down again when he got back from Zion just to work out where it was and looked at like the colour of the mud on the on the tyres and was like, well, it can't be there. And she was working out, she had a map out, she's working out the circumference of potential places it could be and she actually worked out that it was in El Dorado, Texas. Yeah, El Dorado or something in Texas, I think, yeah. But yeah, I, I just found that, that that was quite perceptive because obviously she'd grown up in this community. She didn't really have any reason to be suspect and then suddenly she's like head detective or something. I really, I do credit where it's where it's due there. Because they're all trying but, to think like where this fantasy land is, aren't they? They're, they're, yeah. they're told the streets are paved with gold and everything like that. And it's like, well, they're yeah. not. They're in the process of trying to build this place, aren't they? Like they're, they're actively trying to build it. And so they're sending all their best people to this sort of new new land, new kingdom, uh, as Warren basically disappears from the main place in Short Creek. Yeah, you think with, with, with the probability of more and more women leaving the church, there's more and more chance of one of these women plucking up the courage to come forward and tell a story in the national news or tell a story in court. So he's obviously looking for some kind of getaway, some kind of plan to get out if need be. Because with the nature of the law in, in America as well, different states have different laws. So you did find that they would often cross state lines into Nevada because they have more liberal laws on yeah. raised marriage. And so they were well aware that what they were doing was breaking the law. And there's mm-hmm. stuff like putting down fake names on birth certificates just so the state didn't clock that this guy had 20 wives and, you know, 50 kids from 20 different women and things like that. So they were well aware that what they, what they were doing was completely and utterly illegal. And by 2005, there's a woman called Alyssa who was married at 14. She gets kicked out um, of the community for falling in love with someone else, which she wasn't allowed to do. You're not allowed to look at other guys, think about other guys, you, you have to, you're not allowed to fall in love or anything like that. Uh, I think she was supposed to be in a marriage with somebody else at this point. So she called, basically committed a sin. And so she was kicked out. And after she was kicked out, she starts working with law enforcement. And eventually Warren Jeffs is actually charged. Like he is, he's eventually charged. And that, that is begin that's sort of the, the beginning of where things start to crumble for him, but also things begin to get quite interesting still as well, because it's certainly not all over at that point, is it? No, he starts enjoying himself. He goes off the leash a bit more. But he yeah, was charged, charged with rape, rape as an accomplice, because in this case, this woman, Alyssa, uh, claimed that she'd been raped by her husband, and obviously Warren facilitated that wedding. So he was jailed or charged with 10 years or something. Yeah, up but anyway, to 10 run. years, I think. On the run. Exactly, yeah, he goes on the run, doesn't he? The FBI puts Warren Jeffs on the top 10 most wanted list with Bin Laden. <laughs> He's on there with Big Bin. He's on there with the Bin Laden. Seeing his face, his like unassuming nerdy face yeah. next to Bin Laden on the most wanted list was so funny. He looks so looks so out of place there. But then again, this is a guy that doesn't mind being out of place because he goes on the run. He goes to what, the Mardi Gras Festival in New Orleans, which I understand to be a celebration of kind of camp gay LGBT kind of culture. Is it? I thought Mardi Gras was another name for Pancake Day. No. Isn't it? Probably not. I thought it was. Mardi Gras, I've always associated Mardi Gras with LGBT. I thought it was, well, let's have a look. Have a Google. Mardi Gras, I'm sure that was Take my gay card away from it. uh, Carnival celebrations, Christian feast. Oh, I thought it was a bit gay. Oh, look at the picture though. Yeah. It looked a bit gay, to be fair. Fat Tuesday. Christian, I thought it was a gay thing. 
No, it's to do, it's a carnival celebration beginning on or after the Christian's Feast, which is known as Shrove Tuesday, Pancake it's Day. Weirdest festival I've seen. There's a, a section on the Wikipedia, so it's Christian festival. There's a section on the Wikipedia that says exposure by women. No. Women exposing their breasts during Mardi Gras in New Orleans has been All documented since 1889. All for it. What a weird festival. Anyway, it goes to Mardi Gras. Nice. <laughs> You know, flash Disneyland. Disneyland is very nice for him. Uh, strip clubs. What's he doing in there? Yeah. Well, you've watching, got to live life with you. Watching porn. Mm-hmm. In the hotel with his wives. Riding motorbikes. Sounds like he was in a midlife crisis. Well, yeah, I know. This prophet's <laughs> gone from being like, you know, uh, keep sweet, obey, and whatever, pray and obey, to now he's in strip clubs. Now he's living it up. Disneyland. He's wearing normal clothes as well like in these pictures. Yeah, get out smart shirts. You know, exactly. it's, a bit, it's a bit boring. And then he's wearing kind of like novelty T-shirts with like graphics on them. Yeah, he's, like, he's letting his guy. hair down, isn't he? Riding, riding a hog or something. It's unbelievable. And uh, so he basically goes on the run, just enjoying himself, just spending loads of cash. The church were collecting donations each week, and this was transported in boxes straight to Warren. And so this is going from the the, the people in the church are giving him money, and that money is going on strippers. The, there you go, <laughs> little little tip for you there, strippers. So straight from those hands to strippers, <laughs> which the, I'm all for. Tracking that money would have been so interesting. Those notes, they're going from some kind of pious woman in a prairie dress yeah. to down a stripper's cleavage. It's a great transfer of wealth, though. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And so they were given like $1,000 per week per adult. I mean, this was huge amounts of money. And um, he was getting about 300 grand per week sent in tins of tomatoes uh, to try and (laughs) smuggle it to him. I mean, they were going by loads of tins, emptying them, wasted tomatoes, and then shoving money in. You forget, this is the the, the late 90s, early noughties, so you probably still had to pay for porn back then on uh, TVs as opposed to it being on the internet. So um, I imagine a, a decent chunk of that 300 k Here we go. Porn, strippers, Mickey Mouse, motorbikes. stuff in life. Yeah. And festivals. He loves it. <laughs> he just, started smoking as he well. He loves pancake day, doesn't he? He just he loves, loves it. it. He's going off the rails. It's I just good. like the fact he's letting his hair down. I'm all for that. When you get to that age, if you've not experienced the stuff earlier on in life, which you probably hadn't, let's empathise with him here. He's been mm-hmm. in a gated community for a long time, okay? Yeah. Cult. Now he's out in the real world, baby, and he's letting his hair down. Woo, like woo, that. let's get to Vegas. I think he's woo, on the verge woo, of That's the sound of the police officer pulling <laughs> over as well. <laughs> he was when he got caught on his way to Vegas. Yeah. Probably going to gamble. I bet his, his bucket list probably the most tame kind of thing. I bet at the top it was like, have sex with, <laughs> with a Hold woman hands. that's not, not a Mormon or something like that. And then he's Make like, eye too. contact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his brother, his brother gets caught for transporting his mail and money to his brother, but I think he gets like a slap on the wrist or something. Um, and children obviously begin missing along with their parents. They go to Zion or whatever. But Warren's car gets pulled over in August 2006, and the car was pulled over outside Vegas because his plates were obscured. <laughs> of all the reasons to get pulled over, it's like Bundy all over again, isn't it? Like they sort of pull him over for like a random reason. You get lucky. And when they when they get pulled over, it's Warren's brother in the car with one of Warren's wives in the front. And Warren's in the back seat eating salad. Eating salad coming out of Vegas. Uh, early hours of the morning eating salad (laughs) who does that warren jeffs famously said nothing tastes as good as skinny feels yeah nice to know that he's eating good and feeling good so uh, Mm -hmm. how are you warren not sure they serve uh, salad where he's going but uh, salad though like he's in the back seat how random's that you're on a bender all night in vegas with uh, 300k a week is it a salad it's finished off with a lovely lovely caesar he finished off with a lovely little caesar salad (laughs) 
So he gets caught and cuffed. Oh, hello. And then he basically then ends up saying, I think he gets put into a jail. Someone comes to visit him and he says, <laughs> farewell you, forever. Did you clock the name of the jail? <laughs> I don't think I did. Purgatory jail. <laughs> How apt. How apt for this story. Purgatory him. jail. I love it. But yeah, he says to a visitor, I think one of his brothers, one of his many brothers, farewell forever. So I think he begins to realise that, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost, as they say. A bit, a bit. And then he does start to frame it, though, doesn't he? As, you know, these non-believers are coming for me and I'm a martyr and they've locked me up, but I haven't done anything wrong. So he did. He remained a prophet and he disseminated the, the word of God over a payphone yeah. from his jail cell. He reframes is... it, doesn't he, though? He reframes it as if, like, our back's against the wall now because the outsiders, they don't accept us. They just don't get it. They don't get yeah. it kind of thing. You'd and so he uses that, it... that almost as a strength. You'd think that it, could, that it could come crumbling down at this point, but the El Dorado ranch is still expanding. Mm. They're still working on it. They're getting more women and kids there. The police are looking into it maybe, but they don't have enough evidence to go off at this point. Hint, hint. I don't know what's around the corner. But even though, you know, leader's been locked up, but they're still ploughing on. They're still... Well, they almost feel like they don't have any choice. They're in so deep now that it's almost like their whole life would be a lie if they stop believing now. So he's still alive. We're still getting commands through. God's yeah. still speaking to him. So... It feels a bit like he's playing sins and he's just controlling yeah. these people and they're just going about their day-to-day -day lives completely oblivious to anything else that's going on because they've got a complete lack of agency because their whole support system is based upon the way of life that they've been taught by Warren and his dad before him. Exactly. I mean, he's basically controlling their world. He's sort of deciding what it is that they believe, what it is that they can do, and feeding them the information that they're allowed to hear, kind of thing, and delivering it. So his sermons are still getting through to the people in the church, and most of them, the vast majority, are still going along with it, which is pretty crazy to think. But again, if you've been indoctrinated from a young age and you're really like all in at this point, giving thousand, a thousand a week to this guy, he's got locked up. It's just yeah. sort of got to go along with a story at this point. And if you don't, if you're one, the one that turns, then you're obviously the social aspect of that. Oh, what well, I, I don't believe in this. I mean, having to stand up in a community and say, I'm the one that doesn't believe that this is actually real or that this guy's a fraud or whatever. It's tough to do is that when everyone else around you's got different beliefs. It's kind of like the classic last act of every tyrant in history has been to villainize the people that are coming after them as the as people are rounding up around them and be like you know it's it's us against the world guys come on yeah. you've got to be behind me and he starts lashing out obviously but it, it, it's, it's kind of i wasn't surprised when when he framed it as you know it's the non-believers that are trying to get us and ruin our way of life and the devil and whatnot like that's that's kind of classic kind of so you see in politics for you know through history He's a great storyteller. He's a great storyteller. He, is. he manages to reframe everything, doesn't he? He's, he's pretty impressive. If there's a guy for the job, you want Warren doing it. Fair play to him. He's, he's the guy for the job. Um, interesting, though, April 2008 comes around, and they then begin to have this sort of, I think they have a hoax call, uh, mm -hmm. which they later found out was a hoax call. They didn't realise at the time, to, mm -hmm. uh, to search the ranch, um, this sort of fundamentalist group's ranch, uh, and they found evidence of underage pregnancy. And um, this ranch thing gets raided by, I think they called them Gentiles, was the term that they used, or like mm. Devils in Black. Who were basically yeah, that was funny when team. there was a girl that they interviewed and she said that she was upstairs in the window or something looking out when the police turned up. And she was that, she was in that deep and so indoctrinated that the police turned up and obviously they're in black uniforms. And her first thought wasn't, 
oh, it's the police. <laughs> you know, her first thought was, is this, a, is this a, a gang of devils? I don't know what the collective noun for devils are. It's a group of devils coming yeah, for a us. Gaggle. Like, <laughs> gaggle. Gaggle I mean, is a perfect, perfect kind of word. <laughs> they all turn up, don't they? Like, they all turn up in these sort of SWAT vans and that kind of thing. They bring with along... their pitchforks and their horns. Yeah. <laughs> with guns. <laughs> they all like, they've got guns with them. And um, they then bring along these big buses. Now, these big buses are to take away the kids from these mothers, sisters, everyone else who's on, on the ranch still. And obviously that doesn't go down particularly well. So all these kids have been taken from their parents, some of which are not their parents, some of which are their parents. Um, and they basically come in and raid the ranch, don't they? And this then allows Warren to begin this sort of media campaign in order to gain sympathy from the public. So the public perception is sort of growing in the favour of the authorities at this point. But then Warren uses this as sort of like a look what they're doing. They're taking away these innocent mothers, uh, these innocent kids away from their mothers and that kind of thing. And he uses the media to try and gain some sympathy with people. And it seems to work to, to some degree. It seems to work a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you have these kind of softly spoken, innocent, conservatively dressed women, mothers, on the national news saying these state troopers with their guns have just stormed into our place where we live and taken away our kids. And obviously the people watching the national news, Oprah gets involved, doesn't she? Of course she does. She loves it. She had a job. Yeah, come on. She's always stirring. She stirred with the Meghan and Harry things. She's stirring in this kind of scenario. But anyway, what a homewrecker she is. But it's obviously a very effective tactic to have these women, these innocent women saying, I can't believe, you know, the police have taken my kids away from me. They're crying on TV. It's quite an emotive argument to make. They did run quite an effective PR campaign. I mean, they were being, I mean, they, they were, they had questions asked of them where it was like, um, do you know anything about the underage marriages that's supposed to be happening here? And some of them were like, no, there's no underage marriages. One of them was a midwife for a 14-year-old who gave birth or something. Yeah. Actually, you were, you were the midwife when someone popped one out. And yet she was on, on camera, no, there's no underage marriages. Yeah. The church's lawyers were telling the women to, to lie under oath as well, weren't they? And to not betray the, the prophet. And I think they went around telling telling the kids that were they were locked up in some kind of like warehousey type thing, weren't they? Mm. 400, 500 kids. And they were told by the, the church, you know, because what they would do, because they had that many mums, they would call their mums, they'd be like Mother Teresa, shall we say, Mother Alicia. And they were told just to call their, their mums mother, because obviously the police would catch on to the fact that this one kid had about 20 different yeah. mums and 20 different names. <laughs> so this is going to giant cover-up operation comes on, but it's a cover-up. You're trying to cover up about 50, 60 years of history at this point. And so Warren does start getting sort of biological mothers to try and lie on his behalf about giving permission for these kids to then be sent to Zion and that kind of thing. And so say you went mental. Just say you weren't all there, but you are now. You so lost you your can marbles. Get the kids now. Yeah. That's it. They'll believe that. Miraculous believe recovery. That. Yeah, I've snapped out of it now. Uh, so Warren starts hiring top lawyers. And obviously, because he's got loads of money, he can hire the best of the best. He can, you know, he can get the best of the best, can't he? And eight, so eight weeks after this raid took place, a Texas judge rules that all kids should be returned back to their parents. So they've been taken from this sort of holding facility um, where they're all under this one, one big building and now mm. distributed back to their biological parents, some of which weren't their biological parents. Uh, basically, they all just, well, I assume, were allowed back on the ranch, I guess, at that point. Yeah, everything basically went back to how it was, but the police were still keeping tabs on the ranch because they knew that something was up and something was bubbling but the legal authorities themselves got scared because the optics of having these state rangers enter 
a house and take away kids from mothers that seemed innocent wasn't good so they kind of got scared it's not but good the police for not good is it it's, yeah. it's, it's, i think it's a pretty shocking look isn't it but obviously knowing what was going on it was completely justified but i think they needed more kind of concrete evidence didn't they yes yeah, so they were sort of just sniffing around at this point just waiting and waiting for something and at this point informants began assisting the police the police managed to get hold of people who had left the, these communities in order to help them and um, they were now that basically led them to searching this temple now this temple had been built as a temple for Warren, basically. I'm not really sure which site this was on, whether it was Short Creek or Zion. I think it might have been Zion at this point. So not... there's a, a Zion, yeah, because it's white. Everything on Zion this massive temple, this massive constructed temple. And locals around the area thought that it was some sort of, like, hunting, like, facility or something. They were told. Yeah. There's sort of rumours that this was, like, hunting thing for, like, corporate types. And eventually, like, oh, God, there were people had people flying over, and it was like, no, this isn't the building, a temple here. There's a massive building. <laughs> Build it really quickly as well. Like, fair play to them, getting things done. I like to see that. The police eventually have to enter this temple because they've heard uh, there might be some evidence in there. They're looking for these files. They're looking for evidence of um, child abuse or underage marriages, underage pregnancy, that kind of stuff. And so they enter, enter this temple, uh, these police officers. Yes, yeah, it's interesting. So basically, the informant said that there's going to be some physical evidence somewhere because Rulon back in the day had a big database or collect record, uh, you know, kept records of, of marriages that had occurred in the, in the church, whatever. That was just the way of doing things. So these informants said to the police, if these records are going to be anywhere, they're probably going to be in the temple. And, you know, they're going to Makes be anywhere sense. in the temple probably going to be in the basement if they're going to be in the basement they're probably going to be in the big vault in the basement yeah, that's where they went like a signposted wasn't it it's almost like hide it a bit more just like a trail it. of breadcrumbs let in there. put it in a field somewhere do you know what i mean but i mean initially they, they go in and they find this bed don't they with white sheets and these sort of really quite grand sort of openings and entrances and that kind of thing and they find it's almost like an operating table kind of look to this bed in the middle of this room and at this point you sort of know oh, okay something's been going down in these in this temple which we've not really heard anything about prior to that, had we? There's not been a lot of discussion about exactly what had been going down. But you start to realise, oh, OK, this this is probably where things have been happening. Yeah, this is weird. Weird, because he'd left... us obviously the records and everything that the police needed to find in terms of material was in the vault. Right? Mm. Down in the basement, in the vault. Pictures of girls, pictures of him kissing girls. Like, what, what is the need for those? Did you see the... They included pictures of him mid-kiss with girls. Like, why did he want those pictures taken? It's a bit weird. Yeah, who's Not taking sure that? why that needed to be there. But wives, you know, records of his wives and marriage records and everything was found there. And also tapes of recordings of what had happened on this mysterious white bed, which is a weird height, wasn't it, the bed? Mm. The and basically he had a rule book of how he wanted the bed. And it said there was something that alluded to a mattress cover so we don't mess the bed with the stuff we'll be getting up to on it. And then they discover these tape recordings of him with his 13-year-old wife saying to us and stuff like, you need to know how to be excited sexually. And things like that. It's got yeah. a bit excruciating at that point when they played that. Yeah, it's, it's like audio recordings that they played and that kind of thing. But all this had been recorded and was all in the vault. Like, all this evidence just waiting there for them as if they were sort of like waiting for the day that they got raided. Do you know what I mean? They obviously thought they were just so invincible that this was just never going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, because it wasn't even hidden that well. I mean, it was in a vault, yeah. but obviously if the authorities, probably the first place they were going to look, and if they needed to get into the vault, they'd be able to get into the vault because I think they just, they couldn't work out the code, so they just hammered their way in. Yeah. So it was a bit, a bit complacent uh, from them, but everything that the, that the police needed was in this vault in terms of 
evidence that basically banged them to rights. Yes, yeah, so all all the underage marriages were listed in quite a convenient, nice list. All the different names, Spread lovely. Spread yeah, little Excel document, <laughs> love all that, lovely. So obviously, find all these uh, hard drives, which is you know good. Check the hard drives, as they say. Check his hard drives. That's uh, you definitely should when it comes to Warren. Definitely. I just don't understand why on these hard drives there were pictures of him with his tongue down a 13-year-old girl's throat. Because if you were engaging that behaviour, you wouldn't want those pictures to be taken. And also, if it's your wife, why do you need the picture of it? It's like, is he like showing off? I don't know. I just don't understand that. Why is all the audio being recorded? Why are these pictures being taken? It's just, it's very unusual. Um, but he had all, all these different audio recordings. Some of them are horrible to hear because you can tell they're like 12, 15. And some of the, the women actually had to listen or were made to sort of listen to these kind of things. And they could hear certain people that they knew, like underage kids as well from the communities. And it was awful, I think, for them uh, to listen to as well. But it sounded like Warren had married 67 underage girls to men. And he himself had 24 underage wives. 24 underage. How did that even happen? I sort of lost count of how many wives everyone had, to be honest, by the end of it. But 24 underage ones. When they, they tried aiding the, the, the flow of the documentary with the occasional family tree. Yeah. But as if that was having other help. More like a family forest. Yeah. The amount of people in there just got a bit got a bit much, didn't it? But I think the good thing is about the fact that the police had all the evidence that they needed in that vault was the fact that he got banged up to rights for probably the rest of his life, isn't it, really? Yeah, it was 100-plus years he ended up getting. So there's no debate as to, you know, was he found guilty, was he not? Because all the evidence is there. It's not like Bundy, where it's like appeal after appeal after appeal. The, yeah. the evidence is, that is laid out in front of him because he's kindly helped the officers there with their investigation. But even even when he's locked up behind bars, he's still giving sermons, though. He'll, he'll keep giving sermons till the day he dies. Yeah, I think it, it, it's weird that he had, like, was it two 1,000-page books of revelations, and that's just from when he was in jail. Mm. He's got nothing else to do, but right. But there's still thousands of members of this fundamentalist church today, even though your president, your, what's the word? Prophet. Prophet has been discredited. Families still split apart because you have a growing number of people, younger people that are leaving the church, but their older siblings and their parents remain. And so they're not allowed to see each other. And Warren still, it seems that it's used a lot of substantial amount of control anyway over these people, but it still persists today in, in 2022 in America, which is weird. We, people yeah, I mean, this way. it's still going on now, isn't it? I mean, they fast forward in the documentary to 2021 and Warren's still running the church, like even after everything that's happened, all the convictions, everything like that. That shows the hold that he's got on some of these people. And it's like, what does the guy need to do for you to go? He's probably a bad bloke, this one. You know, 100 plus years in prison, probably a bad but, one. But once you're tricked into the mindset that underage marriage and underage sex is okay then where are you going to draw the line after that you know these people are in so deep now that they've grown up in a community where marrying a 14 year old is is okay and is is the norm then your leader getting arrested for doing just that when you think it's acceptable it's not really going to change the way you think about it because you're still going to think still nothing wrong with it it's normal to us not much of a leap is it the fact that he's been kind of locked up doesn't really change anything because they knew it was illegal yeah. And they're able to go, well, that's that's just because the outside world just don't understand us. They're able to frame it like that, aren't they? And so yeah. I guess you can see from that perspective how you might end up just going along with it. Particularly if you yeah. if that's all you've known for like 60, 70 years. You're kind of getting s- towards the back end of your life. You're not going to move somewhere else, I hope, sticks. No, it's like a siege mentality that kind of us against the world 
mindset mm. that they that they that they probably have. You know, they just don't understand the way we want to live, and they're making an active effort to harm it. It's easy to frame it frame it like that, but we know we know how how wrong it, it is. It's weird that it's allowed to persist in, in America today. Now they know mm. it. Go- now they know what goes on in these type of communities. You think the FBI would be over every weekend, you know, investigating yeah. what's going on here, but. Well, I wonder if that's cleared things up, though. I wonder if they've stopped doing the, the underage marriages after Warren has departed. I wonder if he's still in charge of the marriages. I wonder how much say he has. Does he just do the sermons or does he get involved? And in, does he have like an assistant to the manager or something? Do you know what I mean, like running the thing? Do you know what I mean? He's got Texas doing it. Yeah. Could they, they run a successful paper emergence? No. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to, to wonder, to ponder how this persists in modern day America. Now the cards are on the table. Netflix even made a documentary about it. So how did, how is this church? It still exists. Got a few more members off the back of that. <laughs> a little Imagine. membership yeah. bounce, maybe. <laughs> I mean, through the roof. that's how you want to live your life. They'll have a load of non, like an influx of nonsense. Yeah. Just like, just there for the, the underage aspect of it. Just moving else. in. Not the fashion. Yeah. Uh, they all looked a bit frumpy, didn't they? <laughs> I don't understand how this still persists, but it, it does. Which is at least they got justice. That's the most important thing. Justice was had. Warren did get 100 plus years in jail, and as far as we know, still in jail right now. Probably he's not going to Bundy and, and break out. He doesn't really have no. the, the build for that. I don't think. I think Hopefully, he doesn't doesn't Epstein it either. I don't think there's any appetite for that. <laughs> he's he's been in, he's been locked up for a while, so he's not going to he's not going to Epstein it. I don't no. think. Which which is good, and I mean. This church will continue because it's not as if he's looking around going, well, I don't have a son to continue the legacy anymore. So he's going to have to bin it off. Plenty to choose from. Plenty. And he's still got a purpose, which is good. A purpose in life is good. He's still got sermons to deliver. He's still got something to think about on a daily basis. That's what's getting him through it. Right, we'll leave everything there. Um, thank you very much for watching or listening to this podcast. We do appreciate it. Obviously, hit the like button and subscribe. If you're new to the channel, that'll be fantastic. Rate us five star, etc., etc. And we'll see you next week for the next episode. Cheers. See you next week. <laughs>